Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter, where every day feels like Saturday and French fries are a food group, where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door, where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. From WNYC Studios, I'm Brian Lehrer. This is my Daily Politics Podcast. It's Monday, January 23rd. Yesterday, as you've probably been hearing, was the 50th anniversary of the Roe versus Wade decision. And despite the fact that this landmark decision was overturned seven months ago, the March for Life, so-called, that annual anti-abortion rally that's been taking place since 1974, the year after Roe, went off on Friday, as usual, in D.C., because for anti-abortion activists, ending Roe was just the first step. But have you heard this? One month after the fall of Roe, seven states no longer had an abortion clinic, according to research conducted by the Guttmacher Institute. And what does that mean? In human terms, the same research found that in 2020, those seven states accounted for 80,000 abortions. So that is presumably 80,000 women this year who wanted abortions, who couldn't get access to them, at least in the old way. But on the other side, federal agencies are trying to ease the burdens of abortion access by allowing pharmacies to dispense abortion pills and allowing the Postal Service to ship these pills to people in states where abortion has been outlawed. And Mayor Eric Adams, as we discussed with him on the show last week, is making abortion pills free, including to out-of-towners, at several New York City health clinics. Most abortions these days are by pill in the United States, and that's the battleground where the battle for access or restriction is increasingly being fought, and that's where we will focus this conversation. Shafali Luthra is with us. She is a healthcare reporter at the 19th, a nonprofit newsroom covering gender and equity. Shafali, always good to have you. Welcome back to WNYC. Thanks so much for having me. And let's start on some of these new regulations and rules on what's called medication abortion. Over the last couple of weeks, just the last few weeks, abortion pills. Um, have been in the news quite a bit. For one thing, because the FDA will now allow pharmacies to fill abortion pill prescriptions. Who filled them before? Typically, you had to get these filled through specialty pharmacies. And what isn't changing is that you will need a physician's prescription to get a medication abortion, which involves two medications, mifepristone and misoprostol. 
Mesoprostol has been available at pharmacies already because it is used to treat other conditions. Mifepristone can be much harder to come by. And so what this change will do is take medication abortions from just the specialty pharmacy, which you have to work with in a particular contract with particular expertise, make it available, at least in theory, much more broadly. And we know that CVS and Walgreens, the two biggest pharmacy chains in the country, say that they do want to get certified to begin offering medication abortion pills, to have them dispensed to patients who come in with a prescription. We don't know how long it will take for that to happen. We also don't know how widespread adoption will be amongst individual pharmacies within those companies, because, for instance, It is very, very unlikely that they will want to offer medication abortion pills in states with abortion bans. The impact is likely to be concentrated in states where abortion remains legal. Is it illegal in states with abortion bans to sell or obtain the pills, or do the bans just apply to surgical abortions? These bans apply to any form of abortion, and medication abortion is the most common form of abortion. It is easy to do from home. You can do it safely without going into a clinic, and for that reason, many patients prefer it. So any state that has banned abortion within the first trimester or has banned abortion entirely also outlaws medication abortion. And you reported that both CVS and Walgreens, the nation's two biggest retail pharmacy chains, confirm that they intend to undergo the federal certification process to provide mifepristone, but neither company would specifically say when it will begin or complete that process. Smaller pharmacies could also undergo the certification process, as you report. Is there any indication that they will try to sell them in restrictive states? It is very, very unlikely at best that they will try and sell these in states where abortion is outlawed or heavily restricted. And there are reasons for that. There is a lot of political pressure on these large corporations. There is also social pressure. And we know that abortion providers have long faced threats of violence. We know that many abortion opponents do intend to turn their focus to pharmacies that will be providing medication abortions. Um, why is this happening now? Is this literally, that is, the giving the, uh, the FDA giving kind of regular pharmacies permission to sell abortion pills, is this literally Joe Biden versus Greg Abbott and other restrictionist state governors? I think it's a bit more complicated than that. This had been in the works for a while. In the past, before the COVID-19 pandemic, you could only get medication abortion pills in person from the physician giving you an abortion. That changed because of the COVID pandemic, because there was this push from medical experts to make these pills available through the mail, through telemedicine, as long as you were able to consult with a doctor virtually. This happened for good reason, of course. People weren't able to safely go into the doctor when we were all staying at home. And that has really paved the way for a broader, newer availability of medication abortion pills. This is something that the policymakers had been working on before Roe was overturned. And it's something that medical experts have been calling on, calling for for even longer. On the legality of this, and again, over the battle for abortion pill access, the Justice Department, I see, issued an opinion just uh, just this month, January 4th, that the U.S. Postal Service could deliver abortion pills across state lines since senders have no way of knowing whether a recipient is using them legally or 
illegally. And there's a growing network of covert abortion bill provider, abortion pill, sorry, providers now. But let's talk about that Justice Department ruling and the U.S. Postal Service. If a woman lives in Texas, let's say, uh, can they send away to a pharmacy that starts distributing abortion pills in Manhattan or Brooklyn? And is that legal? We know that in a way, this is already happening. And what that means in particular is there are providers who operate outside of the United States who will send medication abortion pills to people who order them through these networks in states with abortion bans, such as Texas. What happens is those are shipped through states in the U.S. where abortion is legal to the states where they are not. I think the legality question gets trickier and trickier. Currently, state abortion laws do not criminalize the pregnant person themselves for taking an abortion. But we don't know what would happen if someone who helps someone obtain medication abortion pills, for instance, then found their way to the state where abortion is legal or, excuse me, illegal. And then if someone attempted to prosecute them under these new state abortion bans, what's really happening is clashing of different laws, state laws, federal protections, et cetera. And longer term, many of these questions will be decided in the courts. Well, you did an article on whether women themselves are going to be published, one of your recent articles on the 19th. And to this point, I want to replay a clip from the 2016 presidential campaign of Donald Trump being asked about this on MSNBC by their host at the time, Chris Matthews. This starts with Chris Matthews' question. Do you believe in punishment for abortion? Yes or no, as a principle? Uh, the answer is that there has to be some form of punishment. For the woman? Yeah, there has to be some form. 10 cents, 10 years? I don't what? know. That I don't know. That well, why I don't not? Know. I don't you know. You take positions and everything else. I Frankly, I do take positions and everything else. It's a very complicated position. Well, that was from 2016. Shafali, I'm sure you know that clip, and that made a lot of people gasp at the time. Of course, a lot of things Trump did made a lot of people gasp, and he got elected anyway. He did walk that one back afterwards, uh, which before we talk about the current efforts to prosecute women themselves for getting abortions, maybe the fact that he said that but then walked it back indicates tension within the Republican Party over that prospect. Does your reporting touch on that? I think that's precisely correct. And that is what we actually saw this past summer. There was an effort in Louisiana to pass a bill that would have treated abortion as homicide. Practically, what that would have done is make the people who get abortions liable to, to murder charges. That didn't pass. And it was, in fact, very divisive amongst the state's anti-abortion advocates. Some folks favored it, but many of the large anti-abortion lobbies worried that it went too far. And even now, as we are seeing some states start to introduce similar bills, there is a lot of division and a lot of argument about whether they are ready to take that step of, in fact, prosecuting pregnant people. And one of your articles is called Abortion Bans Don't Prosecute Pregnant People. That may be about to change. And then you name names, names of states, legislation in Oklahoma, and remarks from the Alabama Attorney General could foreshadow new efforts to punish people who induce their own abortions. So how far does that legislation in Oklahoma go? That legislation in Oklahoma, in some ways, could represent, if it passes, 
a sort of Rubicon crossing because it would, in fact, criminalize pregnant people for taking abortion pills. The lawmaker who is pushing that legislation has in the past expressed skepticism about exceptions that leave pregnant people unable to be charged. I think it will be really interesting to follow that bill and to follow similar legislation in Arkansas that is actually undergoing a hearing this week and see what do the arguments look like? Do they gain more traction now? There is some sort of back and forth amongst anti-abortion groups as to whether they want to go down this path now or if they want to wait a few years and maybe try and hope that people are paying less attention then. Because we know that abortion bans are incredibly unpopular. We can also guess with some accuracy and likelihood of success that abortion bans punishing the people who get abortions will be even more unpopular because for so long the anti-abortion movement has really tried to co-opt this language of safety and trying to protect the pregnant person's health when these bills suggest that that actually may not be for everyone the driving motivation. If they don't prosecute women who get abortion pills and then take them in the restrictive states, and you've been talking about how that's uh, a Rubicon that may soon be crossed and some states may start doing that. If, If they don't in those cases, what would they try to do? Go to Brooklyn and arrest a pharmacist? These are really good questions that we don't have answers to, um, but I have definitely spoken to physicians who are afraid of being in a state with an abortion ban for a few hours to a night, because what if someone finds them then and tries to charge them under state laws that they, in theory, have violated from their home states? Some states with abortion rights protected have also tried to pass laws that that shield their providers. These are called shield laws. New York is actually weighing some shield laws this year in the legislature. But what we have, again, is state laws running up against state laws, and we don't know what will happen when they go against each other in court. I want to play a clip of Mayor Eric Adams on this show last week. Uh, He came on in conjunction with his announcement that four New York City sexual health clinics will start offering free abortion pills. And you can get them even if you come from out of state. You don't have to be a New York City resident. Uh, You don't have to show ID, I don't believe. And I asked him if part of the goal of expanding abortion pill access to city-run clinics is to help expand abortion access, access for people, not just in New York, but from states where it is limited post Roe versus Wade overturning. Here's what he said. It is, it is uh, not a, a primary goal is to ensure women in this state uh, have whatever is available for them for their health care needs. But at the same time, we wanted to send a message to the women of this country uh, because our relationship with uh, women in this country is not limited to the geographical boundaries of New York State. I have aunts and, un- I have aunts and aunties and of nieces and, that are all over this country, and I wanted to make sure that we send the message that no matter who you are, that you have a right to be in control of your body, and New York State is going to be a leading voice on that. So, Shafali, in Oklahoma, are they going to indict Mayor Eric Adams as an accessory to murder? I would be surprised if that happened. I think what the mayor's policy 
does make me think about is how many people are actually able to make that journey to New York to begin with. And we know that countless people are traveling out of state right now for abortions. We also know that those journeys are really expensive. And the latest data, this came out in October, and it looked comparing April, so before the Dobbs decision, to August after the Dobbs decision, there was an increase in abortions performed in New York. It was an increase of about 12%. And that's substantial. It means that many people are coming to New York to get abortions. Many of them could access abortions through this initiative, but it's also nowhere near the top. The states where the most people are traveling by percentage are North Carolina and Kansas. And that makes sense when you think about geographically what is easiest to get to, what might cost the least to get to. But what it also tells us is that perhaps the initiatives with the most impact may not be in New York, but maybe in states like those. So Kansas and North Carolina, we should look at them as legal states in a sea of restrictionist states? I think that is exactly how the abortion providers there feel. Um, do you need a prescription from a doctor to send away for an abortion pill under this new FDA uh, ruling that regular pharmacies like Walgreens and CVS can offer them? You do. And that is, again, a source of debate among some abortion rights commentators, experts, advocates, etc. But that is currently where the policy stands. You need a physician to approve this for you. You need a physician to talk you through how to take it and to be available to you afterward in case you have any questions about the after effects, which, to be clear, these pills are incredibly safe and incredibly effective. Yeah. So where do you see this battle over access to abortion pills, to medication abortion, going over the next few months. It seems like this is a, a very fast-moving area of law and politics. I think this is arguably the number one issue for the anti-abortion movement. We have heard from so many people who oppose abortion, who have really been advocates for these abortion bans, feeling really frustrated that people who live in states where abortion is outlawed are able to access these pills, whether that is through mail or through travel or what have you. They are going to be looking to see what are the ways that states can make it harder to access medication abortion pills. Some have told me that they would really like to see more federal involvement and prosecution from attorneys general on the state and federal level. We know that under the current administration and in the current Congress, federal action to make abortion harder to access feels very unlikely. The Biden administration has made it clear they support access to an abortion. But what this does mean is we can expect more legislation in states. We can expect more remarks from attorneys general on the state level about how they want to make medication abortion harder to attain. And this is very likely to be an issue in the 2024 Republican primary. And on this day after the 50th anniversary of Roe versus Wade and about seven months since its demise, we thank Shafali Luthra, a healthcare reporter at the 19th, a newsroom dedicated to covering politics and policy through a gender equity lens. We always appreciate when you come on, Shafali. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much. Brian Lehrer, A Daily Politics Podcast, is an excerpt from my live daily radio show, The Brian Lehrer Show, on WNYC Radio, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time, if you want to listen live at WNYC.org. Thanks for listening today. See you tomorrow.